everyone to the Ty and Bob pod at go long, go long, td.com right inside your email inbox, of course, and part of the Substack community. We are completely powered by you, our readers, our subscribers. So thank you so much for signing up, subscribing monthly, annual, uh, and, and mostly just sharing with a friend. That's how we really keep this thing growing. And that's what allows go long to travel the country to sit down with these coaches, these players and do the uh, sort of series that we're going to have live Thursday AM. I think everybody out there will, will definitely want to read this one. Uh, spent several months on it, but first have to take a break from all of that to sit down right here with your favorite longtime scribe, your hall of fame sports writer. Number one in your programs, number one in your hearts, Bob McGinn. Did, so I, did Tyler, I intro you okay there, Bob? I, <laughs> I think that'll work, Tyler. Tyler, let's get these preliminaries out of the way, okay? Now, before the, uh, the main course occurs this week with what you're going to be writing, okay? So let's get this thing out of the way. Well, it is a, a good time for the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions, the two teams we tend to focus on with with this show. Um, you know, the Lions get back on track against the New Orleans Saints. Gosh, I love that third and nine call, too, by Dan Campbell. Throw it. Win the game. End the game. Right there. And how can you not love what Jordan Love is doing in Green Bay? A Another signature win. Stacked upon a signature win. Of course, our our readers here, Bob, they knew it all along. They knew Jordan Love, his time was coming. He was going to turn the corner. And uh, of course, no, there's no there's no chance that I bookmarked a handful of tweets, people trashing us when we we uh, we wrote nice things about Jordan Love, and you reported that the Packers were done with Aaron Rodgers. There's, there's no chance that I bookmarked any of those tweets and and maybe sharing them the rest of the season. <laughs> no, no chance of that at all. <laughs> we all have uh, to be a little petty, right, Bob? I mean, hey, why not? Why not? Sure. But, you know, they're looking great right now, and I think they're really a good team, Green Bay, now these last uh, three games. This is a crazy league, Tyler. As easy as their schedule is, they could go like one and four down the stretch. They could, you know. <laughs> I mean, Love hasn't been, he hasn't, he hasn't had uh, a torn uh, Kulik or what, I don't, any, no injuries. He's played every snap, you know. He could get hurt. Quarterbacks in the division have been hurt, the other two. Um, so who knows? But right now they're looking pretty good. And uh, before we get into it, I'll just, yeah, I'll quit there for now. Well, I, I suppose, though, like my optimism around the Green Bay Packers and Jordan Love is more big picture, though, because, I mean, let's be honest, there's been some pretty dicey moments for this quarterback in this team the first two, two and a half months of the season where you didn't really know how much the quarterback was at fault, how much of it was circumstance, the talent around him, lack thereof, injuries, LaFleur. I just think that big picture, if you look at the state of the Green Bay Packers with your core, all what, age 22 to 24 versus, say, the state of the New York Jets, you know, a creaky, 
rusting, decaying <laughs> bunch out there <laughs> with the uh, the assistant to the general manager, Dwight Shrew, Aaron Rodgers. You know, that kind of blew up uh, in their face, which was also predictable. Um, I don't know. We were told all season, Bob, that he was uh, going to make this miraculous recovery and, and play. I'm a little surprised, you know, that he's sounding like he's not. Hmm. Tyler, you know, he's 40 years old, right? He had a torn ACL in high school. He had a hand injury at Illinois, a bad one. He had the two broken collarbones in Green Bay. He had an ankle surgery in Green Bay, I think, in that second year. He's had ongoing calf problems. He's had two or three concussions. I can't remember back before he changed helmets. He's been good with that for about a decade. Um. And now this, right? The torn Achilles. I mean, does anybody not think he's not going to get hurt here whenever he plays again? I don't see him ever playing a full season again. At this age, with that injury history, there's just no way. He's a small guy. 6'2", 225, 222. I don't know really why he's doing this, but the odds are he's going to get hurt and it's not going to be pretty. This is the deal the New York Jets brokered when they took on the business of Aaron Rodgers. And it's not a surprise, you know, let alone all of the, the other stuff you have to deal with when he's your quarterback. But let's not, you know, depress everybody with Aaron Rodgers talk for an hour, huh? Let's talk right. about the Packers. Let's, let's get right into it. Yep. Um, all right, let's look at the state of the division before we get into that Green Bay game, okay? Had Detroit lost that game, Tyler, which they almost did, they'd have a two-game lead on Green Bay with a much more difficult schedule. I was talking last week that Green Bay still had a shot to win the division, and they still do. I mean, I think – I look at Detroit's schedule – and the way they're playing right now and the loss of Aleem McNeil, they're running on fumes. And everybody over here thinks, you know, they're thinking about uh, getting the number one seed or the number two seed. They really ought to be worried about hanging on and winning the division. I don't think people realize how, how good Green Bay is right now and how weak their schedule is. It's an amazing schedule. Their opponents are 20 and 40. I've, for years, I've been adding up the remaining uh, opponents' schedules for Packer teams and their people they're competing against. I've never heard of anything like that. 333 winning percentage. Detroit's playing against 31 and 29, 512. And Minnesota's uh, 35 and 25, 583. Again, had Detroit lost that game, there might be a little panic in Detroit. So, anyway, uh, Green Bay's right there, and I think they're going to be in the playoffs uh, with what they're playing against. 20 and 40. Two at home, three on the road. All right. Any thoughts before we jump into the positional, Tyler? Just to kiss off that point, and you just took down the defending champs. <laughs> you just beat Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey at Lambeau Field. You know, momentum and confidence. That stuff matters in pro football, and Green Bay is in a excellent place 
at the perfect time. And we should say Detroit won at Arrowhead, but there was no Travis Kelsey and no Chris Jones. Right. Um, was that tougher than winning at Lambeau? Again? Uh, horse apiece, I guess. You got the home field versus no Kelsey, no uh, Jones. It's a push, I guess. Yeah. All right. So these receivers, um, there's so many of them right now, you know, uh, and a lot of them seem like they might be players. We haven't seen enough. We're not sure. Musgrave didn't play, but the kid Kraft, uh, man, he knocked Omenahu out of the game early with that uh, coming across the formation with that block. Ran that quick over route against Justin Reed, the safety for 19. Loved it. On a run wide, he just jarred the heck out of Chris Jones. Made the run work. It was a great block. He had one bad run, but I mean, Kraft looks okay for a number two tight end. I mean, he's got potential. We know. Let's look at his numbers, Tyler. We know when they got that guy out of wherever it was, South Dakota or South Dakota State. He's six four and a half, two five four, runs four seven three, twenty seven on the Wonderlick. He's a fourth yeah. year junior. He's a young kid. He led all tight ends on the bench press with twenty three. I mean, the guy's got a lot of uh, triangle numbers, and he's playing pretty good. Um, all right, so the receivers, who, who do we want? Let's look at Watson. I mean, he's got the big speed, and you just got to respect it. Um, they run Reed on two reverses in the first series. I couldn't believe that. One for nine, one for zero. Whoa, kind of an overkill, but all right, it, it shocked me. And then they ran Watson on a double reverse for 12. I mean, Watson is not a, a tough, hard-running guy, but he's so fast getting around the edge. Uh, high points that ball in the 12-yard touchdown against Joshua Williams. Sweet nine-yard touchdown against McDuffie. He was a really good second-year nickel. Um, again, he's brittle. He hurts his hamstring out there in a non-contact injury. That's the biggest thing Watson's got. He's hurt all the time. Uh, Jaden Reed, we saw the two reverses. It didn't do much beyond that. Wicks, the young guy, 28 yard on a slot over route against that Shamari Connor. Made a nice play on a bubble screen for nine. Liked it. Heath dropped a curl, came back on the next play. He certainly exudes confidence. And Dobbs, uh, fourth and one among three defenders, 33 yard catch, came down with that ball. It was a heck of a play. And then on second and 16, he catches another corner route for 27. So there was all kinds of good things to see on these receivers, Tyler. I don't know. Uh, the group looks good. I didn't think it looked very good for a good portion of the season. But some of these players are really coming through right now. I think there were a few hearts that skipped a beat there at the end of the game with Christian Watson, right? Yeah. So I haven't read anything since the game, Tyler. I've been totally divorced from anything that's written. I always am. I don't know what Lafleur said. Do you know anything about the extent of this injury? Well, I, I guess last I saw, it, not as serious as it appeared in the moment, right? Like hamstring, dealing okay. with it, updates to come, et cetera, et cetera. I'm more so thinking, you know, just any football fan knowing how serious injuries go down kind of a non-contacty thing. You, you try to stay in bounce the way he halted to a stop at first. I'm thinking knee, 
but then he then he grabbed his hamstring and so you're like okay well that's good it's not the knee but not good because he's had hamstring issues in in the past yeah i mean in injuries in general that's that's what's plagued this guy he has shown flashes to be big fast explosive legit number one in the making and then there's a setback so to your point earlier i mean for all the uh excitement around this team and this offense and this quarterback and where they're going injuries is a variable you can uh, never really account for give them a month off tyler i think they can win at the meadowlands i think they can handle the bucks on uh december 17 up in gb and i think they can uh, dispatch the carolina panthers huh <laughs> oh, tepper's got the boys ready to go up there <laughs> yeah he's a hell of an owner all right, let's go to the old line. Let's start with the left tackle. So Walker starts, Rashid Walker, and he plays 5-6, and Nijman only played 8. But I really liked what both of them did in this game. One flat, uh, one pressure to, to Nijman. Walker, he had a fourth-quarter hole that I thought was a little picky. He just blocks very well in space. I mean, he's not a powerful powerhouse run blocker but he did a job in pass protection in this game um over on the other side tom wasn't as good this week against Loftus, the guy from purdue a couple flushes um gave up a sack to chris jones when he got walked back really bad chris jones does that to a lot of people tom though when they pull him a couple times or on bubble screens runs like a tight end tyler and he's an impressive looking uh you know, he's not big, he's not girthy, doesn't have a big butt or any of that kind of stuff, but he can really <laughs> run, and he, he's got good hands and feet. All right, the um, Myers, the center, you know, he's playing more aggressive now as this season's gone along. He uh, he had a body slam against Dickerson, Matt Dickerson, the backup DT. I liked it. Um he gave up a knockdown to Chris Jones in a hurry to Chris Jones, but again, a lot of people do that. I thought he was pretty good. Uh, Jenkins was fine. He had a bad run against the backup third string backer Cochran, and he had a knockdown to Chris Jones, but he played strong and he's got a little bully in him. I like the way he pushes people around. He did that when he first came into the game, and I think he should try to do more of that. I think injuries maybe have held him back from being a real robust guy, but but he's he's doing all right. Runyon, uh, they gave him most of the game. They gave Ryan, Sean Ryan, seven snaps. Runyon had 57. Uh, Runyon had two pressures against Jones, but he was fine. Ran the ball pretty good inside. Ryan gave a flush to Chris Jones in his brief time, but I kind of like him too. He's got a big body, played tackle at UCLA. So that's about the lineman, Tyler. Um a pretty good performance, not a great front Kansas City, but a pretty darn good one. And they, they did the job on their home turf. Don't think we could have had this conversation uh, a couple months ago. There mm-hmm. were some pretty rough moments for the offensive line early this season. So yeah, you can't improve think- with 50, 60, 70 snaps a game. You know, when we did that NFC North team, I think somebody said Walker was the weak link of the group. You know, that was the most encouraging thing, I think, if you're a Packer fan. The guy was pretty decent. He had a lot of tools at Penn State. 
but he fell because of character and he came out early and things like that. But maybe he's becoming a pro. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I'm seeing these guys. I'd love to talk to these guys, you know, uh, I would know more about that, but all right, let's go to the quarterback. Um, first series, he hits Watson for 19. He, you know, he steps up, spins a beautiful ball. I mean, it's just, <clears throat> you know, poetry in motion. Nice bootleg on the touchdown. That first, it was just an exquisite, perfect first drive, and he finishes it off with a beautiful boot over there on the right. Then he makes a terrible throw in the red zone. Then he climbs the pocket. Everybody would be about ready to panic. In this case, he's got his eyes up. He hits Watson on third and seven, maximum protection, and he hits Watson. Great play. I mean, he's making some ball, some throws here. I was just saying the guy's unconscious. He really looked good. You know, he's late in the play clock. I don't really know what's going on. He's snapping the ball with zero and one many times. He got nailed with a delay in the fourth quarter. I assume that's just experience, but, you know, you, you can't win a playoff game doing making mistakes like that. Fourth and one, guy's in his face, man. He throws that 33-yard ball to Dobbs. It's a winning play. Um, ball was 40 yards in the air on the money. The touchdown to Watson. Um, six-man blitz, throws off his back foot. Made it happen, man. Uh, he's got a quick delivery, Tyler. He overthrew Kraft. He was wide open in the flat, I believe it was. And then he took the sack late. That uh, could have cost him the game, but it didn't. So all in all, a very winning performance. What's his passer rating up to now? 90.2. I mean, it wasn't that long ago he was at 80, Tyler, or 81. Got 22 touchdowns and 10 picks, and uh, he's been perfectly healthy. There's been no indication of any injuries. That's what you get with a young guy, a young body, you know. And uh, he looks like a good player who's got his team on the cusp of the playoffs. <laughs> I just laugh because, you know, he takes down Patrick Mahomes at Lambeau Field, and we don't need to uh, necessarily name names on this podcast. I think it's one of those, if you know, you know, situations, Bob. But there was a certain minion of sorts in Wisconsin that seemed to take glee in Jordan Love's practice struggles, you know, the first one, two, three seasons. And at least once, maybe more than once, you know, some of our uh, loyal readers have alerted me and, and sent me some links from time to time. Um, this particular radio host would say, oh, you got Tyler Dunn comparing Jordan Love to Patrick Mahomes and, you know, taking a jab here and there. I have to remind this minion that it wasn't it wasn't me making that comparison. Rather, Jordan Love's wide receiver at Utah State, C.O.C. Mariner. Um, so just to see Love beat Patrick Mahomes with some Mahomesian moments at Lambeau is is kind of kind of funny. But I. I've got that old quote. I just had to find it here while we were yeah. talking about love. He said, quote, this is C.O.C. Mariner. You're going to get Patrick Mahomes. This is in 2020. I mean, this is his rookie year. Quote, but I don't even want to discredit Jordan. He definitely is his own person. He's Jordan Love. There's just a different thing about him. He has that swagger about him. When he walks into the building, you just kind of know, okay, he definitely passes the eyeball test. And then when you see him do it, it's an I told you so thing. He looks the part. 
He makes everything look effortless, everything so smooth with him. So obviously you hear Mahomes in 2020 when Jordan Love was a third stringer behind Aaron Rodgers and Tim Boyle. You wonder, holy hell, uh, you know, you just said this thing that is probably going to be scrutinized. So I kind of gave him a chance to cool the comparison and he went all in. Quote, the things Patrick Mahomes is doing, he can do as well. I don't even want to put a cap on him. Patrick Mahomes is a great player, but this is Jordan Love. He plays like Jordan Love, and he does a lot of the Patrick Mahomes-like things. The off-schedule throws are becoming more and more of a trend. It's something he's been doing. While Patrick Mahomes was doing it, he was doing it. Now, I don't think that we are going to put Jordan Love in the Patrick Mahomes GOAT category quite yet, but... uh, he looked good. I mean, the, the way that he kind of broke him down as a player, but more particularly just his his confidence and how he can get into a rhythm. And you're, you're starting to see that out of love. Like his, his confidence is growing. And that Kansas City game in 2021, remember the COVID game that Aaron Rodgers missed at Arrowhead? I mean, that stuck with love. I mean, he really scrutinized his own play and then some all offseason every single snap, every single throw with Steve Calhoun. I And you could kind of um, sense that in Love's press conference after this game. Like he said that he was looking forward to this one, looking forward to facing the Chiefs. I, I think that maybe he was a little embarrassed, right? That's a national spot, the four o'clock slot. You got Troy Aikman just bashing you on air. Um, it's the first time anybody seen Jordan Love. It wasn't nearly as bad as Aikman made it seem, but it, it wasn't pretty to kind of see where love was then versus the chiefs to where love is now versus the chiefs. It's got to be vindicating for love. The Packers, it never really was much of a decision. You had to move on from Rogers, but I, I think things, uh, th- th- this felt like another breakthrough moment for the quarterback. You lost that. They only lost by six points that night, you know, 13 to yeah. seven. I mean, he had them in contention against, did they win the Super Bowl that year? The chiefs in 21. Yeah. Did they? Yeah. Believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty one. Yeah. All right. No, no, no. Back. They didn't. That was uh. That was the no. Rams. I'm getting oh, it all confused, Bob. Yeah, yeah. That's right. All right. The RBs. Um, Aaron Jones misses another game. They just signed Kenyon Drake to the practice squad. I mean, interesting. People digging deep. Uh, coming up with guys. The Lions. We'll get into that sign. Tyson Alu-Alu, who hasn't played since last year. And Drake, you know, made some plays for Miami, certainly. So let's start with the backups. Patrick Taylor, man, uh, he gave up a flush to a man who just got – it was actually – I would charge the sack to uh, to Taylor. He got just pounded back. And I'll bet maybe that's one reason they, they moved on Drake. I mean, you can't have – a backup back who can't pass pro. That was terrible. They got rid of James Robinson, uh, the old uh, thousand yard rusher with the Jaguars and they got Drake. We'll see if he's ever, if he's activated and Dylan had a nice game, 18 for 73, his kind of track Packers kind of team. Um, the Packers kind of field. Uh, you know, he KO'd the, the middle backer tranquil on his knee you know, unintentionally hit him in the head. Um, he made Leo Chanel, the Badger rookie, missing the flat. That was a beautiful play, gaining an extra 15 yards on that. I was a little stunned that he could make that move on Chanel, who's a terrific athlete. And then he 
he was involved when uh, Brian Cook suffered his bad injury over on the sidelines too. So a good game by Dylan and uh, Pearson played for the injured Degora is kind of their move guy, their H back. Mr. Pearson was in there for nine plays. And as we spoke about last week, he goes all out, Tyler, <laughs> on every snap, Mr. Pearson. <laughs> all right, that's it on the O. When I, when I was in Detroit last week, I wanted to uh, just selfishly ask, who did he run into again? Um, 55 Barnes. Barnes, yeah. Just ask him about that one play, but I, I didn't catch him in the locker room. That would have been great. <laughs> that would have been fun, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so the D-line. Well, let's start with Kenny Clark. Uh, I've been kind of hard on Kenny this year, but he really had a big game, Tyler. That inside three on that Kansas City line, now they're not very good at the tackles. But that inside three of Joe, Joe Tooney, the left guard from New England, the center Creed Humphrey, that the Packers uh, made a mistake taking Myers over Humphrey in that second round three years ago. And then Trey Smith, the big guy from Tennessee, who's one of the most physical guards in the, in the whole league. Those three get after people. And Clark really played well. Um, Man, you know, at his age, he's in his eighth year, but he went chest to chest against Trey Smith a bunch of times. He got a knockdown against Smith. He gets knocked down by Smith, excuse me, gets up and then got the knockdown when Mahomes tried to scramble by him. It was great effort for a guy that old. Uh, he bull rushed uh, Trey Smith, got half a sack on the play. He shed Tooney at the point of attack. Ball carrier gained one yard. Um I thought he tired against those interior pressure of those three guys in the third quarter. That's when the, the Chiefs were uh, uh, stymieing the Packer pass rush and doing some things on the ground with Pacheco. But then he got back on his horse again in the fourth quarter. He stuffed Humphrey on a play for a, a run for minus one. Really a big effort by Kenny Clark. Um, a huge effort. And, man, to have an interior player – if he can continue this, and I don't know if he can at his age, but if he can, I mean, I was kind of thinking he was down in just the good ter- good category, Tyler. But if he can be very good to excellent down the stretch, whew, that's a hell of a front. Wyatt, Wyatt can be run at, Tyler. You see it in every game. He is not good at the point of attack. But yet... You know, he beat Trey Smith. Trey Smith is a little stiff, a little top-heavy. He beat him on a pass rush. Should have been a hold. He got a flush against the backup left tackle, Wanya Morris. Another flush against Trey Smith. He got an offside penalty. So, Wyatt is a threat. Now, this is what they got inside. Now, this was interesting. You know, with a minute nine left, when the Chiefs were trying to get the winning touchdown, their first uh, four-man front and sub back on the 30-yard line, 70 yards away, was Clark and Brooks, the rookie from Bowling Green. Not Wyatt. It was Brooks, Carl Brooks. Now, Wyatt came in uh, about on the fourth or fifth snap, but, you know, they like Brooks, and the guy's done He's done pretty well. Slayton had the nose, had a bat, at, bat on a shovel pass, really showed instincts on the play, um, and Brooks didn't get much done. 
So that's it on the D line, but Clark is really the story there, Tyler. And you know, Kenny, you did the story on him a couple of years ago. Uh, you like the guy. I remember dealing with him as a rookie. I like the guy. If he can recapture that form, that's massive. Then they can beat people in the playoffs with a front like that. Veterans like Kenny Clark know how to physically be where they need to be in mid-December, I would think, too. I really came away with that sense that and that would that would have been 2021, 20, right? When you were over there? One seed, going to host San Francisco. Oh, We got together a week or two before that at Kenny's house in De Pere. Um, and I just remember thinking, like, physically – you know, granted, that conversation was more so about his dad, who was um, in prison for a crime he says he did not commit, and he has since been released. And um, wow, we, definitely worth catching up with Kenny on all that at some point. Uh, but yeah, I just got the sense like he he kind of knows how to peak at the right time. So e- even though there were some rougher moments earlier this season, I'm thinking, gosh, if you're in the hunt, if you're relevant late in the season, he's not going to wear down. I think think about Ryan Pickett, you know, toward the end of his career, he just was so dang consistent when you needed him to be. Don't you just remember Pickett just sitting in his locker, just like a Buddha, him and BJ Raji over there, Howard Green. Man, that's a lot of weight. Those three guys on that Super Bowl team. <laughs> Howard Green was great, man. I would just go to him just to just to BS, talk about the NBA, whatever. Jolly, I- a jolly guy. I never really hardly talked to Howard. I was talking to Raji and Pickett all the time. <laughs> Those guys, they were they great were fun, too, man. Yeah, yeah, they were. <laughs> all right, let's go to the edge. Um, I was a little disappointed in the edges in this game. I mean, you know, they start Donovan Smith, the old Buccaneer, and he's in and out. He plays twenty-one snaps, I think it was. They come with Wanya Morris, the third-round pick, rookie from Oklahoma. He plays forty-six. Uh, I thought there should have been more damage done against those guys. And Juwan Taylor, the guy who's always lined up too too deep into the into the backfield, uh, he wasn't really hurt in this game. And even at the end, when Mahomes is trying to win it, the pressure to me was disappointing. I mean, I was ready for, you know, just an onslaught when you knew you had to throw the ball, but it didn't happen. And Packers have to do better with those edges. You know, Gary, other than the sack he had on an up against Taylor, uh, I got him basically for that's about it. Van Ness had a sack on an uh, up the field against Morris and he had a knockdown. I thought Van Ness looked pretty good. Preston Smith had a sack against Donovan Smith and he stopped the two point run, but that was it for him on the pressure department. Enigbari again, that guy, he's growing on me, Tyler. He plays very hard. He's got a, he's a big bull rusher. He's got to be 250, 255. Kind of like him. Um, he shed Donovan Smith once on a running play for one yard. Uh, so that's the edges. They'll come on and uh, probably start this week against that porous giant D line, right? Yeah. Yeah, these opponents, the oh, Giants. Right. I, I feel like they've been, I feel like the Giants have just been. Uh on life support really since week one <laughs> since since drive one right in the rain at home Dallas Cowboys they ran right down the field with Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones they 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 get close 
they stall. I think they took like a sack or something. The attempt a long field goal. It's blocked. It's returned for a touchdown. And it's been catastrophic since for the Giants. Down to Tommy DeVito. They're nuts about Tommy DeVito out there, though, it seems. Maybe uh, yeah. Maybe he'll uh, create create some plays for him. But uh, I don't think the Packers are that worried. So this I mean, will be a game. Anybody can beat you. I get it. But you go Mahomes to DeVito. It's It's a little different. So when it's 28-6 in the fourth quarter, the Packer fans will just descend down to the railing at the Meadowlands and just uh, we've seen that that story many, many a time on the road, Tyler, and that's what it's probably going to be, right? Well, I, w- I would think that Mark Murphy and everybody involved with the business of the Packers have to be thrilled. I mean, obviously, you're always thrilled if the team is winning, but remember a few weeks back when we were talking about this team and we're wondering what's it going to look like at Lambeau Field? If they're three and eight and, you know, fans aren't showing up now, there's every reason to be excited about, about the team. The tenor has gone the other direction. The crowd noise based off a TV was pretty high. I think Tyler, the other night was really high. looks like that fan base is excited. They just see another, they see, you know, in their mind's eye, another 10 or 12 years of, good football with this with this young team we'll all see all right inside backer quay walker um nothing new to report there and campbell just kind of a non-factor against the run walker made a bunch of tackles all of them downfield um that's it there i got nothing more to say on those backers same deal mcduffie didn't play campbell's back all right, now the secondary. Well, it's really a story of Kansas City's wide receiver core, you know? It's either they don't trust their people to get deep, even against backup-type cornerbacks, or they don't trust their line to handle the Packer pressure. So Mahomes, he just kept throwing the ball in the flat and these little short things to Kelsey and bubbles and bubbles and hitches. And until the the pass interference play on Valentine at the end, the non-pass interference, he wasn't challenged the entire game. Carrington Valentine. Mahomes and Andy Reid won't go near him. You believe that? And then Valentine, Corey Valentine over at right corner, he got a pass interference against Rice, a 17-yarder, but he had a nice breakup on a quick slant. Man, that was really a heck of a play. I thought he was a firm tackler against Pacheco in this game. The guy's fine. I mean, you put Jair Alexander in there right now. I don't know what his injuries are or whatnot. But, again, you're going to get a guy, after all these injuries, he's not going to tackle for you. Where Valentine and Valentine will tackle for you. They're young and they're energetic. They're playing pretty good, Tyler. And I don't know. I don't know what's up with Jair, but – Looks like a pretty good combination right now, amazingly enough. All right, and Nixon, the interception on the slot fade to Sky Moore. One heck of a play. Ran the route for the guy. He saw it. Nixon is not a player with instincts or a high test score, but he made a great play there. You know, he roughed up Pacheco, and then Pacheco got the DQ when the ref saw Pacheco second. All right, whatever. 
At safety, Savage is back. He had a really good uh, pass breakup against Kelsey. Uh, Pacheco had a 13-yard run. Savage goes running in there. That's when he carried people for about six yards. He didn't wrap up. He just threw a shoulder, and that meant an extra eight yards. He made a good open field tackle against Pacheco on a gain of two. You know, safety is just kind of their weakness. Johnson, the, the rookie, took a terrible angle on Pacheco's 26-yard run. He only played six snaps. Um, came up on the scramble when the ball was thrown behind him by Mahomes to Kelsey for 27. That was on third and 18 in the third quarter. He only played six snaps. You can see why. And then um, who was the other safety? Oh, Ford played. I got nothing on him. That's it there. Special teams, Tyler. Carlson hit two of them, 40 and 48. After having, a, a, you know, a couple shaky games, I'm sure that really will buoy his confidence. He knows he can kick now at Lambeau on a 31-degree night. Wind chill of 23, that's huge for his confidence. Ford down to punt at the one, excellent. Nixon's a daredevil, averaged 30.0 on two, two kickoffs. They gave up a, like a 32-yard kickoff return, I think it was. 31 to Richie James. Uh, that's it. So and Whalen, uh, Whalen had one good one and one bad punt. So all in all, a very impressive victory, and they go to six and six. And I would say right now they're a pretty distinct favorite to be among that top forty-three percent in the NFC. That's a playoff <laughs> berth. The old top forty-three, Tyler. <laughs> oh my God, what an accomplishment! It is, it is so important, though. To remind fans what it means to make the playoffs. Like I, I can still remember Don Bukowski reliving those 89 Packers. I, mean, I, I love that team that season. Like I, I can't I can't get enough of like pre-Far, pre-Wolf, pre-Holmgren, like Packers history. But they, they go 10 and 6. They have all these crazy comeback wins. They beat the Niners in candlestick. Joe Montana's the MVP that season. Bukowski was second in the MVP voting. Like if you win that game, you feel like you can beat anybody, uh, but they didn't even make the playoffs. And then I think it expanded a team the next year. Correct. So how many teams even made the playoffs in 89? I don't know if you have it handy there. Uh, Not many. All right. Four? I got the record in fact, but let's look this up. I think four in each conference. Now let's look 1990. Here we go. You got it, Tyler. I don't I'll let you, uh, so four I'm made waiting. it. The wild card, there's three divisions then. Okay. So the Giants won the NFC East. Minnesota won the NFC, uh, NFC Central. The Niners won the West. And the Rams got in at a wild card at 11-5 and five in 89. And they beat the Packers. Well, no, they finished ahead of the, the Rams also were 11-5. and five. So Green Bay, hold on. Minnesota finished ahead of the Packers based on better division record, 6-2 to the Packs, 5-3. So four teams got in, five got in per conference, three champions, two wild cards. The next year, six got in. It was still three divisions. Hmm. So it went up one the very next year. And the pack slid to six and ten under Lindy. 
Cody, coach of the year. That's a Keith Woodside and those guys were calling him the next year. <laughs> What's Cody doing today? <laughs> Woodside and Tim Harris. <laughs> Isn't it like the NFL, though? They just wised up from a business perspective, and they're like, you know, we can just keep letting teams in the playoffs, and everyone in those fan bases will stay engaged and excited and filling stadiums and watching TV and buying stuff around Christmas. That's the other thing, too, like, Right now is when everybody buys gifts for Christmas. Yep. And if, you know, football teams are technically still in the hunt, gracing that graphic on your television, then they can sell excitement, <laughs> which everybody could have seen Bob just now. NFC playoff picture, right, T? There it All is. The, let's go to the playoff picture and just show you every team that exists <laughs> that is in the playoff picture. <laughs> Uh, I I feel here in Buffalo, like it's, this has been a a bad season. I mean, this is a team that hoisted a banner up in the field house of the Vince Lombardi trophy. Sean McDermott announced to everybody Super Bowl or bust. And they're six and six. And we're exposed in Philly for what they are. A team with an MVP caliber quarterback, a a potential juggernaut offense that will be held back by their head coach. But if you're Sean McDermott, I'm sure you can conveniently sell hope and hype and point to that graphic on the screen and say you're in the hunt. I mean, hell, they might make the playoffs. We'll see. Steelers just lost. Browns just lost. But I don't think it's a, a, to Bill's fans credit, they're not, they're not taking it hook, line and sinker. I'll say that. I don't want to speak for everybody, but. I think Bills fans see this team for what it is. But let's just say everybody everybody should stay tuned for more on the Bills. We'll we'll have more on the site soon. We're waiting with bated breath, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ty. Shall we chug along, Bob? Do you see the Packers going 11 and 6? You would think that'd be a game. Right. That, that was my first inclination. Well, of course, they'll lose to somebody. But then you look at that schedule and you see the state of the Giants, the Panthers, the Bears. Maybe the Bears, maybe I think you the get Bears them at are, home. Yes, they do. I think the Bears are good. I agree with you there. But OK, at Minnesota, we don't know what they're going to be like. They got a brutal schedule. They could lose three games by the time they get to have the post the Packers. All right. If they're 11 and six, what's Detroit going to be? They're nine and three at Chicago. They could lose that easy. They host Denver. Denver's in the playoff hunt. They could lose that. They're at Minnesota. They could lose that. They're at Dallas, the heavy underdog and they host Minnesota should win it. Let's say the Lions go 10 and 7. Can they finish 1 and 4? Yeah, they could. I'm kind of off the Lions right now, Tyler. I'm not foreclosing. Green Bay to win the division right now. I know, you know, the Ozmakers would say it's ridiculous, but I think it's not totally ridiculous. I'll give them a 8% chance. It 
seems reasonable. As you listed those teams off, I got 12 wins for the Lions. I think they, it, they go they three and 12. Uh, three and two finish. And, and you know what? I think that's even conservative. I think they can get to 13. I, I, I think I like them a little bit more than you. Okay. Good. Although Good. I like offensive football and Dan Campbell's coaching style. And we're going to get into the Lions here in a second. I Just the overall belief system of that team kind of runs counter to what we see in Buffalo, for example. I, I think that they're going to peak at the right time. Mm-hmm. I can't really yeah. explain it because the defense still has issues and now they're more banged up. And the player that Golong sat down with for an hour in Detroit, Ali McNeil, is now on injured reserve. Yes, that 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 was what brought us out there, Bob, and he was exceptional. Um, well, that story will see the light of day here at some point, but I guess we're the kiss of death, huh? How far was that drive, Tyler? About five and a half, six hours. I don't go through Canada. If I went through Canada, it's like four and a half, but then you're dealing with the border crossings. and I don't know, caught up on a little Adam Carolla. No clue who that is, Bob? None. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, hey, I think I've mentioned on this pod before, Mike McCarthy once told me uh, on the beat that long drives are, are good for the soul. Really? The drive from Pittsburgh to, to Green Bay, yes. And he's okay. absolutely right. It is. It's When you've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old and it's diapers and chaos and... <laughs> The side of Elf and Little Rascals and the basement's just a, a disaster in all the best possible ways. Don't get me wrong. I love being a dad more than anything in the world. A nice long drive isn't isn't the worst thing, Bob. True. All right, let's go to Detroit. Could have lost this game, Tyler. They scored 21 points in the first seven minutes, and it's supposedly that's the most points anybody scored in 12 years i guess there was some graphic all right they almost lost this game 33 28 um receivers laporta there's a graphic up there keith jackson has the best rookie production among tight ends in 1988 for the eagles he goes 81 for eight eight nine six scores laporta now is at 64 for six seven nine and six uh, so they threw the ball to him nine times and he caught them all for 140. Now there was a total blown coverage. The rookie Sewell blew that coverage, I think. And that was 48 yards out of there. What about Laporta? He just catches these balls in his hands. He can run any kind of route from any location in, a, in an offensive formation. He strikes a blow when he blocks, and he really tries to run his feet and sustain at the point. I mean, I admire his blocking so much for a young guy. He makes sharp cuts. He chops his feet like like a wideout to get open inside. He's quick. He'll catch balls in bodies, you know, in among bodies. At the end on a. Uh, that was Jamo's uh, 19 yard or whatever it was reversed for a touchdown. He made a fantastic block on the defensive end, Kaposignan. I timed it 5.0 seconds. He sustained the thing. 
And then on third and eight at the end, 245 left. He's doubled, and he gets a gain of 10 yards, a catch. He's having a great year. It's a great pick. Um, we haven't seen much of Musgrave. You know, the Packer, young, a young tight end, too. I mean, he might he might challenge Laporta for being the best tight end in that class. Who knows? But we just haven't seen Musgrave in a while. All right, Jamison Williams. He gets one target the entire game, and he plays 33 snaps. So they are using him properly. They know Goff knows that he's not dependable and he's going to drop the ball. So they're just taking it easy. He made a tough, tough catch on a crosser against that pulse and a Debo, a really strong uh, physical man corner. That was for 11. And uh, he made it the end of round for 19 with a big dive into the end zone. I didn't like the big dive. Just run through the plane. Don't have, I mean, you, you make these big swan dives into the end zone, you might fumble the ball as you're leaving your feet. It's just, you know, flamboyancy that just run through the goal line, act like you've been there. Come on, right. Bob. I know. Let them have a little fun. Okay, I got gotcha. you. I'm all about winning, Tyler. <laughs> I, I like reliable winning. <laughs> You know, what's funny is because uh, everybody wants to hear us talk about our high school football days. That's that's why they tune in, Bob. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first touchdown run uh, as a as a quarterback at, at Lickettville, game one, junior year. It was a busted play. I'm playing climber. Busted play. Like, I don't know, the running back just didn't go to the hole. And I just, like, reversed field, ran the other direction. It's like 30, 40 yards. Anyways, in my head, I don't know. In my head, I thought I had to like one hand reach the ball over the end line, dive full horizontal, and uh, I got reamed out in the film room by our coach Tim Bergen. Old school, very, very old school. We we threw the ball about you know six, seven times a game, although it was usually deep. So that was good. We we'd get everybody to creep up and then we'd throw deep. Tyler. Are you trying to get on the ESPN highlight reel? You know, he smokes all day. He'd leave our practices to go smoke in the creek. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was, uh, I got reamed out. I, I didn't say this, but I, I thought I had to dive. I thought I had to, to to lay out to score. So I can't visualize the play you're talking about here, but I'm going to defend it. Even though I didn't even see it. That makes any sense. I got you all the way. And okay. you were not being hit. You just felt you had to die. I think in. from what I remember, it was like, I was going to get sandwiched. There's defenders converging. I definitely, there was contact at the goal line, but in his mind, I should have done exactly what you said. Just keep running straight ahead. Gotcha. You know what? I got the high, it's somewhere. My mom videotaped everything. Cause she's the best mom ever. Like she watched my whole high school athletic career through the lens of a camera, which I feel, about. but it's wow. somewhere. Yeah. It's somewhere. Poor mom. That's cool. All right, uh, St. Brown, they didn't throw the ball much to him. We know how good he is. Reynolds uh, caught a low ball for 11. Nice play. Um, I guess that's it for the receivers and the tight ends. Yeah, we got them all. All right, let's go to the old line. Well, they lost Frank Ragnall with a knee injury. Um, I mean, they were already without – no, they lose Ragnall. 
So they got to take the right guard, Graham Glasgow, move him to center, and then they put down the, put in the rookie Sorsdahl at right guard. Ragnell's a massive blow. Don't know how long he's out. Wow. I mean, you know, based based on how Sewell's played the last couple games, he might be their best player. I think it's one one A and one B. Uh, Sewell. Gave up a sack to Zach Bond, the uh, the Badger, up the field in 3.2 seconds. He was lunging. He looked awful on the play. He had a bad run against that Malcolm Roach. Boy, I like him, Tyler. Every time I see that guy, 97, he's a hell of a player. And then he missed Nathan, Nathan Shepard on a bad run. Decker, a couple knockdowns to Curtis Granderson. I love how he hustles, too. That's that guy from Wyoming who's been in the league about six years. Love his motor. Um, I don't think I think Decker slipped a little bit. Jonah Jackson returned to start. False start on his first play back from injury. A uh, couple bad runs. I didn't think he played very good. I mean, all these offensive line woes uh, contributed to the Saints <clears throat> Saints comeback certainly. Uh, Sorsdahl was a little bit better than he was a couple of weeks ago at left guard when he had to replace Jackson. Maybe that was two weeks ago. So their line was not great. And without Ragnell, their depth is stretched. Glasgow is a good player, but he's not a great player, and he's nothing like Frank Ragnow. I don't know. You lose him in the middle of that old line, and you lose McNeil, your best D lineman, there's some problems. All right, let's look at Jared Goff, Tyler. Center exchange, he uh, he fumbles the ball. He pulled out early on that first play. Um, it was not rule of fumble because there was a false start on Jackson on the play, but still, um, Campbell has been, you know, he really emphasized limiting turnovers, and they had zero in this game, but still. He made one wayward pass that was almost picked. Um, he threw some tight window passes, man. Uh, he threw one for 24 to Brown on third and nine. It was a hell of a play on an in route against Adebo. Again, really close coverage. You know, when you play against Love, it's different than when you play against Goff. Hmm. Love, Goff is in one spot, Ty, right? I mean, he's a stationary guy. He's in one spot. And that's why it was so impressive with the game on the line, third and nine with 154 left. You yeah. saw it. Yeah. He gets flushed because of uh, Jonah Jackson giving up a pressure. He climbs the pocket. He's about ready to go down. He gets hit as he throws, and he finds Josh Reynolds for 11, and then it's a knee time after that. I mean, Goff is not a scrambler, but he made the play with instincts and improvisation and professionalism and he won the game that's how close they were to giving the ball back to the saints um a great start and then unimpressive from there the o-line is struggling all right the two running backs played very well tyler uh, Gibbs was nine touches for 54 Montgomery 19 for 55 we know Montgomery he's a surging twisting north south runner he had a horrid drop in the fourth quarter in the flat Gibbs man he made that uh, the rookie Alante Taylor maybe he's a second year guy yeah second year 
made a miss at the line of scrimmage and then turned it into a 37-yard run. He breaks tackles one time by Shepard, the DT, for gain of seven. That's their strength. I mean, they got St. Brown and Laporta. They got Gibbs and Montgomery. And they got a good old line, and they got a good quarterback. They're a lot better on offense than defense. Is it enough to win the division? Probably. You think by a lot. I don't. And um, is it enough to win a playoff game? Yeah. Is it enough to get to the Super Bowl? No. So that's where they are right now. The defense, yeah. Go to the defense, Tyler. Okay. Let's go. Yep. Um, Well, I don't know. Uh, Hutchinson, he gives you great effort. And he did a lot of good things in this game against the right tackle, Ryan Ramchek. You know, he's only got, uh, he's got five and a half sacks now. And, you know, and people dote on that, but he's got a million pressures. I don't look at those pressure counts, but he's got a million of them. I mean, he never quits on a play. I mean, I really like the player. I think he means a tremendous amount in the locker room, just like he did in college. Um, So he's what they got. Now, he had the flush to Ramzak that led to Bruce Irvin's sack. Bruce Irvin played for the first time. I think that was his first game. And he had 11 snaps. And he looked good, Tyler, at age 36. He could really help them down the stretch. He had fresh legs. I'll give him that. Um, But he made that sack after the flush by Hutchinson. And he beat uh, Pete around the edge in 3.3 seconds for a sack. And then um, he came around, uh, I think that he got nailed for roughing the quarterback on, I think it was a stunt. I can't remember, can't read my notes. And that's when he knocked Derek Carr out of the game. So in 11 snaps, he hit the QB twice. And that rate, I mean, they're not even playing Charles Harris anymore. He had three snaps in this game. Wow. Um, Romeo Aquara had nine. And Irvin had 11. And they're playing, sometimes they play Campbell out there. They don't have another rusher. They got to try to get Irvin up to speed so he could play 20-25 effectively. All right, they have right now they have one rusher, Malin, Aline McNeil, their second best rusher, suffered a knee injury, it is right, Tyler, and he's put on IR today. It's really like the Packers losing Kenny Clark. Now, Clark's better than McNeil, but in value to, to Detroit, I would say because they don't have any anybody on the edge other than Hutchinson, McNeil means more to Detroit than Clark means to Green Bay. If that's possible, I think it's true. McNeil is a really good player, had five sacks. You sat down with him. In this game, he split a double team right away, a running play for two. Um, and then he gets hurt. Came back one time, limped off again, tried to go. That's it. So... You want to interject anything about McNeil here, Tyler? Then I'll tell you about the depth who they have. Yeah, I mean, just supremely unique defensive tackle. Um, the, the 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 pressures, the sacks speak for themselves, but we got into who he is as a person. You know, back in high school, he was an incredible baseball player. 
Really? Really, really good baseball player. And he's just, I don't want to give too much away because this story, it will see the light of day. We'll, we'll get around to it. I'm sure. Let's, let's see what happens the rest of the Lions season too, with the, with the new IR rules and, and all that. But man, into this season, he shed, God, I'm trying to think back 20, 25 pounds. He really put himself into a position to be a core player on this Lions team that can compete for a Super Bowl, and, and they've really been relying on him, to your point. They've needed him up front, so it's a huge blow. And, yeah, I'm not sure how they th- – this was going to be a position of strength. Thinking back to August, the James Houston story, right? They lose him. Seems like they've got more pass rushers than they know what to do with, and, and now they're just grasping at straws. So they'll, they'll take anything they can get. Bruce Irvin <laughs> – Tell me Bruce Irvin was going to play for an NFL team this year. I would not, would not have seen that. Julian Aquara, who's healthy, he was inactive in this game. So, mm. yeah, they Charles Harris has hit the end of the line. He just hasn't done it all year. So now let's look at inside without McNeil. They got point of attack guys. Benito Jones, he really battles. Isaiah Bugs, he battles. Quentin Bohana, the former Cowboy starter, he battles at 340. And Broderick Martin, the third-round pick, the rookie from Western Kentucky, I thought he played better than they obviously did in his one appearance, like 15 snaps. But he apparently is not ready. He's inactive all the time. The one wild card is Levi Onwazurki. He's the guy from Washington, a second-round pick in 21. Now, when he played early... He does have pass rush. He's always had that interior rush, and that's what all the scouts said about him before that draft. He was hurt all last year, I think it was. He hasn't played much. He was inactive again Sunday. The guy does have pass rush, and he's got to light it up. He's got to replace McNeil on in sub situations. And then, okay, now they got the combo five technique in their hybrid three-four. That's Josh Pascal from Kentucky, and John Kaminsky, former Falcon. All right, Pascal has been more active in the last two to three games. He's playing better. He did show pass rush in the SEC. He's got to do it now. He was a second-round pick in 2022. They've got to have this guy. And then Kaminsky had a better year last year. They re-signed him for like one year, four mil, five mil. He's great hustle and chase. He can walk people back with straight arm jams, but he hasn't made the plays he did last year. He's got to come through too. So that's the state of the lion uh, pass rush and D line against the run. They are susceptible against the run without McNeil. McNeil's the one guy who can make plays in the backfield, Tyler, line of scr- beyond the line of scrimmage stuff. Now they got point of attack hole guys. I don't know. a little tough all right let's look at inside backer so Alex Anzalone does not play with uh, I don't know what he has so Dan uh, Campbell what the heck's his first name Jack Campbell yeah the rookie from Iowa he puts on the green dot and he plays maybe his best game he made some plays uh, tackles for minus one a tackle for zero a tackle for plus one that was three good plays at times, he gets Velcroed to blocks. Uh, the hook curl, 28-yarder to Olave, he bit on the play action. He was taking taking them out on passing downs. They were playing 
the guy who hasn't played all year, Jalen Reeves Maven, the special teams dynamo, and Reeves Maven did some good things in this game. I'm sure they're going to keep seeing him. They have unbelievable depth at this position. Barnes did some good things. We know Barnes, physical, physical, and he can run. Rodriguez, the guy, late pick last year, he played some. He's a gritty goal line guy. He goes a mile a minute. I like him, too. So they're really good at inside backer, and I assume they get Anzalone back pretty quick. All right, the, D, the DBs, um, uh, the Saints got after these guys. It happens all the time. Branch had a really great pick with one hand. His best game in a while is the Nick. Um, missed a couple tackles, sifted his way inside off instincts for a couple more tackles in the backfield. He's a good player. We know all about Sutton and Jacobs. They've been durable. They play. They're there. They're tough. They just can't really man cover people. It's the way it is. And Walker, he can't man cover either. Either He's the safety replacing Gardner Johnson. He got killed by Jimmy Graham on a 12-yard touchdown. Uh, oof. Jimmy Graham. Uh, yeah. He couldn't cover uh, Kamara, really, on a 13-yard play. Um, he's a good hitter, but he really can't cover. And Joseph, he's not a man cover guy either, although he's better than Walker. Missed a tackle. Uh, he has catch-up speed, but he will bite too. So that's the state of their of their defense and special teams. Fox, man, seven kickoffs, seven touchbacks. He's a really good punter. Um, Reeves Maven had three hits on special teams. I can see why those scouts thought he was the best special teams guy in the division. They have good special teams under Dave Phipps. So that's the Lions. If the Lions were to play the Packers on a neutral field right now, to me, it's a toss-up. And when right you now, zoom out at the NFC. Is it San Francisco and everybody else after what they did in Philadelphia? Really? Dallas, but they lost to Philly. Well, was it just a bad day for Philly? Does does Detroit? factor into that conversation does a team like a green bay get hot at the right time is, is there somebody else we're not even thinking about green bay if they get in they're going to be on the road for however long they're in you know i guess they, they could be the six um yeah I, I don't know if they can win a playoff game this young outfit i mean they might spit the bit you know and this team they haven't been there i mean they could they could they could turn and start looking, playing poorly. Just don't know. San Francisco, yeah, they looked awesome the other night. I watched that game closely. I think the, somebody out of that rough and tumble NFC South could do a little damage, Bob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some brutal, brutal games there. <laughs> I mean, the Bucks. they're one game out at five and seven. <laughs> the Falcons, they just went in spite of their whoever's a quarterback. Uh, so yeah, you're Green Bay, six and six. Nobody scares you there. It's pff. and the Seahawks and Rams are both six and six now. It really is San Francisco, even though they're a game behind Philly. I think just if they're healthy, I forget what the stat is. I mean, they're 
like undefeated when Debo, Kittle, McCaffrey are all healthy, I believe. Really? Hmm. Yeah, don't take it as gospel readers, but uh, I'm pretty sure it's it's something insane. Maybe Purdy, too. Like, it was those four. You never really know with the 49ers. I mean, they seem to be bitten by the injury bug at the worst time. Uh, but, geez, they look dominant. Absolutely dominant. We'll see. Do you think Chase Young has really helped him, Tyler? Could Can you tell yet? I mean, I would just be lying to you if I broke down Chase Young film. I, I haven't been watching him that closely. Yeah. See, I, I, I feel serious. like just it's all on the offense. Jeez. And, and I get it, Purdy's being talked about as an MVP candidate, but then you you watch like a reel of all of his highlights, and you got to give him credit. He knows where to go with the ball. He's a fast processor. That that is a skill, no no doubt about it. But they have just dudes that wreak absolute havoc when they've got the ball in their hands. I mean, Debo Samuel, McCaffrey, obviously Kittle, Ayuk, Jennings. These guys get the ball; they do something with it. And Kyle Shanahan's feeling it. Tyler, you know, I didn't watch this Eagle Niner game near as much as I spent hours on these on the NFC North games. But the one thing I really was impressed with with the 49ers was their old line. <clears throat> I, I went into the season not wanting to like them. They were so physical at Philly against a really stout front. Yeah, Trent Williams, we know he's an awesome all-world guy, one of the greats, one of the greats to play the position. And he was after people, but I, I watched Jalen Carter constantly. When he's on the field, I just keep my eyes on this guy. And he was getting knocked around by Aaron Banks, the second-round pick from Notre Dame. I thought Burford really played physical. And even McKivitz, uh, a fifth-round pick in 2020, the right tackle replaced McGlinchey. I thought he was going for the throat, too. I was just amazed. That's Chris Furster, a guy, a Wisconsin native, who's been around the league for 25 years. I thought his group really played physical against one of the most physical fronts in the business. That made that offense unstoppable in, in that game. And, man, if they can keep protecting Purdy and open running lanes for McCaffrey like they did, yeah, it looked like a hell of a team. I'm fascinated by offensive line coaches. It's a different breed. You've got to have a few screws loose to, to coach offensive linemen for your job. That's a story that needs to be written at some point. Chris Verster, talk about demons and needing yes. to overcome those demons with drugs and I don't want to misspeak wasn't there I believe there was like a stripper involved and crap yeah it was insane. Um, I was just talking to somebody who's played for him and they just can't say enough about what it's like playing for him they, they think he's one of the best line coaches in the NFL like you'd have to be a pretty damn good coach to keep getting work and really good work after all of that all right, do you have a McGinn memory for us, Bob? Take us home. One more thing I want to mention, Tyler. Um, Johnny Holland is still coaching linebackers for the Niners. What a great person he was and a terrific player. Uh, career ended by a cervical injury. And then I want to mention the Niner D-line coach, Chris Kasurik. He was at Detroit for nine years under uh, Jim Schwartz and Jim Caldwell. And I love the way his group always played. Vanden Bosch, uh, you know, Sue, 
he had those guys in that four point stance really low and that's the way the Niners play but they have get off because of the way he coaches it and I used to put my binoculars on him at the at Ford Field watching this guy between series I mean he is a goal-getting kind of a I think they got really good coaching there at the Niners all right McGinn memory let's stick on that coaching uh deal Tyler you know, because of Andy Reid being back at Lambeau, they put a, a shot from the Packer press guide, a, a stock photo of the 92 coaching staff, Mike Holmgren's first group. And when I looked at those 11 or 12 coaches, you know, I mean, those are the days you really got to know assistant coaches. And Holmgren never fired an assistant in his seven years. So some guys left for better jobs, but he never fired one. He made them up to his specs. So... I know these guys good and I had, I learned a lot from them and I'm grateful to all of them. So I just picked out five guys and I'm just going to mention a little bit about these five that were in that picture. Okay. Let's start with Sherman Lewis, offensive coordinator, you know, under Holmgren didn't call the plays. And then he remained with Ray Rhodes and he did call the plays in 99. Then he went on to Detroit and a couple other jobs, but you know, he had been with Bill Walsh and George Seifert in San Francisco, coach running backs and wide receivers. He was an All-American tailback for Michigan State under Duffy Doherty. Um, he would always answer the tough question. This guy was a supreme consummate technician at all these offensive positions. Gotta love Sherman Lewis. I wish he would have become a head coach, you know, either the major college level or in the NFL. It didn't happen, but he's a really a supreme football man. All right, let's go to Steve Mariucci. Now, Steve and I have a common bond, which, which helped, initially, helped right away. My high school basketball coach, Gordy LaDuke, my senior, senior year, L-E, capital D-U-C. After my school closed, Escanaba Holy Name, then a year later, he went to Iron Mountain, where he inherited Steve Mariucci and Tom Izzo. And those guys played for him for one year. Um, so we had this, this great coach, the best coach I ever had, common bond. He coached all of us. And Mariucci, he'd been up at Northern Michigan, quarterback on their national title team. So we hit it off immediately. And he did all those five years, you know, trying to settle a five down. He was the good cop. Holmgren was the bad cop. Mike could yell. Steve would put the arm around him. All right. Uh, a very good coach. John Gruden. He was quality control the first year under Holmgren. Then he took wide receiver job. Who departed? I don't know who departed, Tyler. I'm sorry. Um, but then Gruden coached Sterling Sharp for two years. And he had a gift for Gab. I mean, he was a, a writer. All these guys talked to him, man. It was unreal. They all did. And um, so I would get Gruden after games or after practice. And I'd say, John... You're going to be a coordinator. You're probably going to be a head coach. Your dad's been in running as a GM down in Tampa for years. You're a football guy. Just answer my questions and I'll prepare you for when you're, you know, in these pressures. <laughs> and he, he kind of nodded that. He said, gotcha, Bob. So he was good, you know. All right, Dick Geron. Dick Geron was at the Packers from 86 to 94. He's a Yaley from Swampscott, Massachusetts. Dick was a very... Highly intellectual guy. But dealing with Dick was like pulling hands teeth. <laughs> and one year down Your at Buffalo the Buffalo listeners Bowl, remember him well. 
back at the senior bowl in uh, January of 88, Dick and I were at some kind of a reception, whatever, hors d'oeuvre fest, players, media, coaches, everybody was around, some ballroom in uh, Mobile. And we started talking off to the side. And I said, Dick, now, you know, you're really tough to deal with, man. You never give me shit, you know? <laughs> you don't give me nothing, man. I mean, he wouldn't say anything negative about Mark Lee, Mark Murphy, Kenny Stills, you know, they were all Jerry Holmes, <laughs> Dave Brown, they were all his guys. And he said, Bob, he said, I don't think I can help myself one bit by talking about these players honestly to you. I do not feel... Now, some guys on that staff, Greg Blosh, he used me to kind of prod players in the newspaper. Oh, he did it all the time with his D linemen. But Dick, and Dick never changed, and I don't know how he was in Chicago, but he never changed. He reminded me of Bart Starr in that way. Just staunch, stern, erect carriage, you know. All right, and finally, Ray Rhodes. So I covered Ray as the D coordinator up there for two years. Ray Bob, they all call him in San Francisco. He was a product, again, of Walsh and Seifert. He was a tremendous DB coach, and Holmgren hired him first time as a coordinator. And he did terrific work in those two years. He really did. Uh, Hank Bull had been a good coordinator, and Rhodes maybe took it up a notch. So he becomes head coach in 99. I hadn't seen him in five years. We had gotten along good when he was a coordinator. So they're introducing the entire new staff of Rhodes in the Packer gym. Was that Packer gym there when you were there, Tyler, the old gym? I can't remember that, no. You ever in there? Yeah. Mm -mm. And um, the gym was pretty new, maybe two, three years old. So all the coaches were at tables in this gym. And I was just interviewing the assistant coaches, you know, whoever they all were. Mike McCarthy would have been there that day as QB coach in 99. And under the basket, all of a sudden, Rhodes appeared, walked in, just kind of checking, and he was standing next to Lee Remmel. So I figured I'd go over and say hello. Man, I just couldn't believe it. Now, we had gotten along good, mm -hmm. pretty darn good. He just, he says, I know you, man. He says, I know you. And this is after I shook, shook his hand right in front of Lee Remmel, the veteran PR guy. He says, you got to watch your back with you. I know that. You got to watch out for you. Tyler, he repeated these words like, I don't want to exaggerate, four or five times. <laughs> it was just, I was apoplectic. That's Lee Remmel's word. And I just, I just kind of walked away. There's nothing I could say. Jeez. <laughs> and just walked away. And I'm not positive of this. I'm unsure if I ever had a one-on-one -on -one after, if I had a one-on-one -on -one during his tenure as a head coach. I don't really know. It was so stunning that I just basically had to stay away from the guy because I, I got the impression all of a sudden that he didn't want anything wow. to do with me. Yeah, it was really weird. It's bizarre. And Well, clearly it benefited his coaching to stay away from you, right? They went eight and eight and didn't make the playoffs and easily could have been. Yeah. And that was it. Comebacks. Yeah. So yeah. 10 months later he was gone, but that was one of the strangest interactions I ever had with a head coach, certainly, or any coach. So that's it on that staff. It was a wonderful staff. There's other guys I could talk about. You really got to know these people at that point. And that's the McGinn memory, Tyler. Beautiful. I always love looking back at those years and the little stories behind the scenes.
reporting. It was a different age, different time. Um, but I think that's going to do it, Bob. Great stuff. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening, reading. We'll be back soon for another edition of the Time Bob Pod. And, of course, the aforementioned series, many stories to come. Our readers are due for a treat this week, Tyler. I agree. Okay. <laughs> Thanks so much, everyone. Thank you.